0: Welcome back in, everyone, to a fantastic new Whisper in the Wings from stage Whisper. We have a wonderful show that not only have we brought you before, but we're bringing you again better and better, and we have such an amazing guest rejoining us today. Welcoming back today, we have the playwright Donald Stephen Olson, whose show, The Christine Jorgensen Show, is currently playing now through March 3rd at 59E59 Theatres. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting 59E59.org. We have had Donald on before talking about this amazing show. Most recently when it had its run at the Fresh Fruits Festival last year. But now it is at a beautiful new home, the 5090-59 Theatres, and it is an incredible work. We had such a pleasure getting to see this about two weeks ago, and now we are encouraging all of you to make sure to go see this before it closes and moves on to the next great venue. But with that, let us welcome back on our guest, playwright Donald Olson. Donald, welcome back to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank
1: you. It's just great to be back and to be talking about Christine again and the Christine Jorgensen show again.
0: Yes, I was just saying that it was so wonderful to see the show on stage versus when I had to view it on on my computer screen. It was so, so good. What an incredible story. And we've been talking off the air about not only the show, but Christine herself. Right. But if I could, could you remind our listeners about what your show is about?
1: My show is about two extraordinary and very different characters, Christine Jorgensen and Miles Bell, who meet under somewhat unusual circumstances in 1953 and work, to develop, work together to develop a nightclub act to highlight Christine's enormous celebrity. And I will just say, for those who don't know who Christine Jorgensen was, she was the world's first internationally known transgender entertainer, performer, celebrity. So when she came back from her sex reassignment, I should say her gender reassignment, they used to call it sex change, believe it or not. So when she came back from Denmark from her, sexual, from her gender reassignment surgery in 1953, Christine Jorgensen became one of the most famous people in the world. She was hounded by, by reporters. She was the subject of endless media attention. And she needed to work. She needed to have some way to earn a living. Unfortunately, she didn't really have any talent as an entertainer. That's not how she would be, had been raised. She was raised in the Bronx. She was raised in a very middle-class Danish-American family. And so her, her agent... Introduced her to Miles Bell, who was a vaudevillian, former vaudevillian song and dance man. And together, the two of them crafted this nightclub act, which then forms the end of the show. It's about 20, 25 minutes at the end of the show. So the first part of the show is the two of them working together to create the act and having their problems and having their issues and having their differences. But then finally coming together at the end as professional performers on the stage of the COPA nightclub in Pittsburgh and performing the nightclub act that they have created. So that's basically what what the show is about. There's a lot of other things that you can find in the play if you wish. There's a lot of drama, there's a lot of comedy, and there's a lot of music, and there's a lot of dancing. (laughs) So the issue... You know, one of the problems is that I always called this my musical, but I guess I'm not supposed to call it my musical. I'm supposed to call it my play with music, you know, because in a musical, people stop and they start singing about their inner selves or the corn in Oklahoma or whatever it may be. In my show, all the songs are completely integrated into the action as it's unfolding in the sense that they are songs that all of which I wrote, except for two of them, which are being performed either in rehearsal or in the nightclub act itself. So let's call it a play with music, and let's call it 90 minutes long, without an intermission, perfect length, and audience, audiences, our audiences are just absolutely raving. They just love this show. But as we were, we were talking earlier, it's really important for me, it was really important for me, it is really important for me to write about positive things because our world right now, well, always has been, really, but our world especially right now is full of darkness and cynicism and frustration and despair. And we all know why. We all know what those issues are. But in my show, I want it to be inspirational and joyous. And I want people to leave with kind of a light feeling in their hearts. The show is really about, you know, find, searching for your authentic in herself, the real you, the you that you know is within you, and that doesn't always, isn't always able to be expressed for various reasons. But Christine finds her inner voice, Miles finds his inner voice. They sing a beautiful song at the end. Thank you very much. <laughs> the voice inside your heart. And people just leave really moved. I mean, really, this play really moves people. I'm thrilled. I've been thrilled by the reaction nights there are standing ovations, you know, and this is a small theater, <laughs> this is a small theater, but it's so intimate. That's part of the joy. That's part of the fun. I don't know if you would agree with this, but it's like you were right there with them. You know, you were like five feet away from these two wonderful performers who are creating these characters. And believe me, they really create them. Jesse James Keitel is uh, Christine Jorgensen and Mark Nadler is Miles Bell. And we're in Miles's rehearsal studio when she comes in and says, "You know, can you help me create an act?" And that's sort of everything takes off from there. But the intimacy has added a lot to the show because people are right there in their in their faces, you know, and they are they have an incredible chemistry individually, but also together. Mark and Jesse do, so that has been just a joy also to watch. And I think audi- audi- audiences have also been responding very much to that. So, no, it's been a... we have one more week to run. I think all of our performances are sold out, except for maybe Friday night, there may be two or three seats left. So we're thrilled. <laughs> we're all thrilled. We've had a wonderful, we've had a wonderful time
0: it's amazing and I completely agree it's you truly get that fly in the wall experience with this venue that it's in it's so wonderful yeah so I kind of want to ask I mean between the two of us in our conversations I know this as the third iteration of the show I mean I've seen the one that was online then we had the fresh fruit festival and now we've got this what has it been like developing this particular iteration of the Christine Jorgensen show
1: Oh God, it's been a wonderful experience. So I started writing, this show has been an, I would say the show, now development is a word that strikes terror into every playwright's heart. <laughs> because <laughs> we all know that there are plays that have been overdeveloped, misdeveloped, developed into obscurity, developed into <laughs> you know nothingness. And so you have to be really careful as a playwright. You have to hold on to what you know is really essential. And you have to put your ego aside when you are working with pros and excellent dramaturges and my fantastic directors, you have to put your ego aside and say, not every line is perfect. I can get rid of this. We can change this and so on. So I'll backtrack just a moment. I started writing the play during COVID. I, first time in, my, in many years that I'd had some time to work on my own creative projects. And I wrote it in 2020 in with Mark Nadler in mind is Miles Bell from the very beginning we had our first kind of staged reading at the National Arts Club on Gramercy Park here in New York that was in 2021 two. and the play at that time was 2 hours over 2 hours long and it was two acts of course i loved it i could sit i could sit in a Eugene O'Neill play for 5 hours i don't I love it so but anyway given the realities of theater you know during that process you know you start to see what might work what might not work what what you might be able to eliminate and so on because the whole point is to get the focus of the play so intensely perfect right that you can get rid of what's not needed so in the next iteration then it was accepted by the fresh fruit festival and we had three performances there. And during that process, I began winnowing it down to its present running time of 90 minutes. It still wasn't there. And it still was a different play. And you saw the video of that performance. And I think you will agree that it's a very different play today. So then when Andy Hammondson and ADH Theatricals came in in 1590s, uh, fifty nine, and we all we started this process of, putting it on at fifty nineties fifty nine, I was blessed to be working with Michael Barakiva and Zoe Adams as directors. And these two are fantastic dramaturges and editors. And when you're doing theater, it's a collaborative effort. It's not like when I'm writing a novel and I'm sitting alone in my room (laughs) for two years or a year or whatever. A theater is collaboration, which is why it's such a joy and such sometimes such a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's mostly a joy. So anyway, I had, I had two wonderful directors who, in the process of our rehearsal, which went on for about a month, could make suggestions. We all were very open. It was a collaborative process. Everyone was able to say what they wanted to say. I, as the writer, could say, Yes or no. And what they would usually say is, can we cut from here to here? Because we don't really need this and we want to focus more on this bit of the story and so on. And I would say, I don't want to see it on the page, I want to hear it. Read it to me. If if in my ear it sounds good, correct, and we're not losing anything important, yes, I'll go with it. So that was the process that we went through during rehearsal, and it was quite intense and it really did pair the play down to its current running time of about 90 minutes without an intermission. And in the process of doing that, it really, really focused on the story that was to be told with these two characters. So that part of the development process has just been a a wonderful experience. But as I said, as a playwright, you do have to put your ego aside and you have to be willing to understand that you have written this from within you and you've seen it as you're writing it, working on stage and so on. But when directors and actors are suddenly there, the directors are moving people around on stage in space, they have an eye that you don't have as the writer, right? as a playwright. And so their part of their incredible value is that they can help you to say, we don't need this bit." Or could this be this? Or the actors might say, you know, this line is really hard for me to say. Could I say? And again, I say as a playwright, yes or no. I accept it or I don't. But we went into it with open hearts and with the goal of creating the best possible show. That That was our goal. We wanted to create the best possible show we could possibly create under the circumstances we had. So I think... I think that, that we did that, and in that sense, my developmental process with this play was a positive one, a really positive one. I'm very happy with with the result. Although, man, it goes by quickly, <laughs> 90 minutes. I mean, there's a lot of story there, but it just it's 90 minutes, you know, and there's a nightclub act as well, and so it just, you know, it just races by, but all the major points are there. All the emotional arcs are there. Everything is there. It's just in a very, it's in a briefer form. Yeah. And everyone likes a 90-minute play nowadays. Right? Let's <laughs> be honest here. People like a 90-minute play.
0: Uh, this is true. I mean, I hate to admit that, but I very much look, I, I enjoy those 90 and 100-minute shows. You know, i like to get two-and-a-half-hour musical, but I
1: don't right. know.
0: I, I, I think you definitely achieve... All of that, and, and this is a show that I could have even gone more with, you know what I mean? It didn't feel like 90 minutes was enough, so you know, I, I understand, I understand, but I love all that. Now, remind all of us again how long have you been working on this piece?
1: Well, about three years. I said I started it, I started the research and then actively writing it in probably 20, 20, 2020, towards the end of 2020. And then it it had that first reading at the National Arts Club. Then we have the Fresh Food Festival performances. And now we have what's really called a world premiere because it is, the play is vastly different really from from its last iteration at the Fresh Food Festival. So I'm so grateful for those opportunities. Oh my gosh, you know, as a playwright, you don't just suddenly have a venue and your show is perfect and it's up and it's running. You know, there is, as you say, there's this whole developmental process that goes on because it's a collaborative art form. And without that, I think you can sometimes get lost along the way because you don't, you know, you have to understand that there are so many other people involved. They are all contributing. You are contributing, but you're one member. You're the the one who created the work, you know, that everyone's working on. But all of these other people bring enormous talents in their own fields to the work. And so it's in any playwright's best interest when they have as fantastic a crew and directors and performers as as I have with this to listen, you know, to listen and to learn. You know, I'm not too old to learn, believe it or not.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well, with this fabulous work that you have, this wonderful show, and the subject matter that you're dealing with, I mean, I've mentioned to you on more than one occasion, I never knew who Christine Jorgensen was. I never knew anything about this amazing story. What is the message or thought you are hoping that audiences take away from this world premiere?
1: I think you... I want audiences to simply... Hear what Christine has to say about her life, about who she is, and about her quest to achieve her authentic self, her inner self. We're living in a period when there is so much transphobia and there's so much nonsense and malicious stuff written about trans folk. I've lived with that in my own way as as a gay person but it's sort of redirected now to trans people. And I want people to see that Christine Jorgensen, like all trans people, is a human being. She's a human being. She is trying to achieve the best that she can achieve in her life. She's trying to find who she is. She has worked, she has created the pathway to do that. She has basically created herself because there is no one to help her along the way, really. She did this very much on her own with the help of doctors in Denmark. So I'm hoping that people can somehow understand the reality of the trans experience and also to be taken back in time in 19 to 1953, which is when this takes place, 71 years ago, you know, the society was in some ways very different, but in other ways not so different at all. So I think I want people to see it in context, you know, like what in 1953 would people, were people thinking about this? Because they had never, you know, the public had never confronted anyone like Christine Jorgensen, who was a public transgender celebrity personality entertainer. This was new. And that was an era when nobody talked about anything. Okay, everything was buttoned up. Uh, you didn't talk about sex. You didn't talk about, you know, gender reassignment. Nothing. None of that was talked about. Christine talked about it. You know, she she said, "I'm a real human being. This is my story. This is who I am, and this is what I did." And that's part of what I want people to understand about her because I think she's a trailblazer. And you know, so much of LGBTQ history is either erased or forgotten or defaced in some cases. And I think her story really needs to be told. I think there's a timeliness to her story that sort of transcends the period when the show takes place. And I think people are, what I hear from audiences is that that they are getting that and they are getting the humanity, the humanity of the story. And I don't want to put Miles Bell off to the side because he is essential to this whole process, but very little is known about Miles Bell, practically nothing. We do know, I mean, the biographical information that's pr- presented in the play for both characters, you know, uh, especially for Christine is accurate. But for Miles, nobody knows. I mean, we know that Miles was from a coal mining family in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. And we don't know much else. He had worked in vaudeville. He had worked in, you know, burlesque. He was an entertainer. He was one of those legion of, legion of performers back then who played a nightclub circuit. They had, they, you know, they sang, they danced, they told jokes, they did patter, all that sort of stuff. That was what he did. He never hit, you know, the big time. But when he decided to work with Christine, you know, his whole life changed too. And so the show is about the two of them coming together, these very, very different individuals who teach one another some very important life lessons, I think.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's that was one of the best parts is watching the two of them learn from each other and and change because of it and, and change for the better. It was so yeah. wonderful seeing that. So I yeah. love that.
1: Well, can audiences react to that. People want that. We don't want division. We don't want what's out there and presented to us all the time as endless division and not being able to work together and, and all of that. We really, I believe most human beings want to work with one another. I really do. And so my show is really in a way about that. to very different people learning to overcome their personal obstacles whatever they may be to stand together as entertainers at the end of the show and work together in a very very intimate way uh in a nightclub stage in a nightclub setting so no I think that's a very important lesson that I you know you say lesson I don't it's when you're writing your work you don't think about oh I'm going to you know this is the lesson I'm going to present it it happens it has to happen naturally it has to evolve from the story and from the characters, it can't be just overlaid upon the work. It has right. to come from it has to come from within, and it has to make dramatic sense, you know, within the context of the show.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, my final question for this first part is: With the amazing work that you have created and that you have being performed over there at Fifty Nine E Fifty Nine, who do you hope have access to this?
1: Well, you know, 1590s, fifty nine asked me that question too. Like, who do you think your audience would be? So I said a couple of different things. One was that, and this is interesting, there is an older audience which remembers Christine Jorgensen. They may not remember all the details, but the media blitz was so intense for so long that they remember the name Christine Jorgensen and they have a basic kind of, idea of who she was so some of our audiences are older members of the world and they are taken back to a world that they might remember the 1950s (laughs) you know and then we have it's just been so interesting to watch because the audiences are different every night we have young couples we have you know young you know heterosexual couples we have gay couples we have trans folk who come I want this to be accessible. I don't believe that this is for any one group of people. I believe my play, the Christine Jorgensen show, is really for all for all people. There are there's a humanness here that I think transcends division if people are willing to you know open up their hearts a bit and to see what what's going on in the show. So, accessible to all. I would hope that's that's been my goal. And I want to say also that you know when Christine did her nightclub performances, and we were talking about this earlier, she did go on to become one of the highest paid nightclub entertainers in the 1950s. Her show was not tailored for any, it was tailored to be accessible, non-threatening, non-confrontational. It was meant to be an entertaining show that introduced her to a very general audience, primarily, of heterosexual and so that had to be kept into in in my mind as i was writing the play as well you know it was an era when you didn't have these kinds of divisions these divisions simply didn't exist so i'm hoping that everyone comes to see this show because well as i say the audience reaction you know i've I'm, I'm, i've seen quite a few performances but the audience reaction is just overwhelming and the critical reaction has been fantastic as well and Why wouldn't it be with these two performers? I mean, Jesse James Keitel is fantastic as Christine Jorgensen, and Mark Nadler, I wrote the role of Miles Bell for him because Mark sings beautifully, plays the piano extraordinarily, tamp dances beautifully, and acts. (laughs) You know, he's like what we would call a multi talented performer. So the two of them bring this enormous amount of energy to this small stage at 59 it's 59 and it's just been a joy it's been a joy to watch the development of the whole thing really through the rehearsal process and through the performances themselves and the performances have deepened as a playwright that's something that's a real gift to you when you realize that the actors really understand their characters and are able to every night there's some little thing that's different some way that a line is spoken you know that a reaction is made every night it's different and that just means that they're totally into the show they're totally into their characters you know and it's just it's a wonderful the audience might not know that but i know it because i've seen the whole you know, progression and it's just wonderful to to watch i'm, I'm so happy with, with what's been going on the show
0: The second part of our interview, we love letting our listeners get a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more. And of course, we have had you on before. And hopefully this isn't the last. I'm sure it's not. But as we are short on time, I want to jump to my favorite question to ask guests, which is what is your favorite theater memory? And since we've had you on before, could we get another of your favorite theater memories? Oh,
1: well. The one theater memory that I have to mention is just the opening of the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis. It was the first regional theater in the country. Sir Tyron Guthrie came over from England to run it. It had incredible stars appearing on stage at the Guthrie Theater. It had Hume Cronin, it had Jessica Tandy, it had Len Cariou. it had an unbelievable array of classic plays, And we were bussed in as young school kids, and I didn't have a clue. My background was (laughs) very far from theater. And I was absolutely transported. I had never encountered anything like this in my life. And everything about the, they would come out before the uh, acts or scenes began, and and the ushers would play, you know, long horns, (laughs) you know, announcing. Announcing that the play was to begin or whatever. It was just an extraordinary experience, and I have never forgotten that. And I would have to say that's really why I write for the theater today. It just never left me the the power, the magic, the thrills of seeing people perform on stage. Live theater to me is everything. I I like old movies like you. I love old movies. I just watched, by the way, I just watched His Girl Friday because. The pattern in my show is meant to, in some ways, be similar to what used, the pattern that used, like Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant, you know, they're back and forth all the time. I love old movies and so on, but live theater to me is where I really get my deepest pleasure. I would say the last play that I saw that really impressed me was Pearly Victorious. I knew nothing about the play. I knew it had been done in 1962, and I knew it had been written by Ossie Davis, and I knew it had a a success back then. But I was absolutely blown away by the language in this play and the story and the humanity and the comedy, because it's a serious subject, but it is hilarious. And that, to me, was a wonderful experience and it was in a big theater you know not like our small theater it's a big broadway house and that was wonderful i try to make a point to see every classic play that's you know reproduced in in uh, in new york so i saw night of the iguana for instance i love tennessee williams i love i love well-crafted plays they are satisfying they give me pleasure Characters are interesting. The story tells you something. You take away something from these plays. That those to me are the theater memories. But I have to say, I have to go back to the Guthrie because it really was what introduced me to theater and what really helped to make me a playwright.
0: I love that memory. That's such a wonderful memory. Thank you so much for sharing that. (laughs) Very well do you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug perhaps another L- of the christine jorgensen show
1: well of course we're all hoping the christine jorgensen show will move on remains to be seen however i am having a one act performed it's like a stage reading at the national arts club on march 11th it's from my triptych called oregon ghosts so i also live in oregon and I used to, I'd been a travel writer for years. And as I was traveling around Oregon, I kept encountering these stories about legendary ghosts in various locales, very different locales in Portland. One of them was in a lighthouse keeper's house in the Oregon coast. One was at a brand hotel in a gold mining town, the brand. And one was at a tavern in downtown or eastern of Portland. So i I was asked to, Submit a one-act play for this one-act festival at the National Arts Club, and I took out the Sweeper, which is the first of the ghost plays, and that will be done with a cast of, of four, and it will be performed on March 11th. And people, if they are interested, these events at the National Arts Club are free. Are wonderful. So, if they are interested in seeing that, there are there will be three plays on the program minus one. Of them. They can go to. You know, they'll just have to Google the National Arts Club events and they should get they should get the information they need. And then they can order tickets. You have to order your tickets via Eventbrite, I believe. But it's free. And the theater well, the gallery there holds about 150 or 60 people. So if people are interested. They can go to that site early on and figure out how to how to get in. And I think it'll be a wonderful evening, actually. All of their one act festivals are Terrifically attended and very well received. So that's going on. And then I have a new play that I, well, I always have several works in progress, but I have a new play that I will be working on as soon as all of the, as soon as our run ends here. And then I would like to get Oscar and Walt back somehow in circulation. You know, Oscar and Walt, which is about the 1882 meeting between Oscar Wilde and Walt Whitman. Again, it's a one act. It's 90 minutes long without an intermission. It's been done in Rome. It's been done. It won an award in L.A., and it's been done in Rome and Pittsburgh. And it was live streamed from Indiana University, Bloomington, uh, last year. So people love the play. Two fabulously interesting characters, and I would like to get it going again. So I just need to get a little momentum behind that show. And what else? Well, that's basically it right now. My my life has really been focused on the Christine Jorgensen show happily. And that's really taken up all of my time. It's it's been wonderful to be back in New York. I am a New Yorker working on the show and seeing the show. (laughs) Even more fun.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love how many irons you have in the fire. I really (laughs) hope the Oscar and Walt. Walt Yeah. Well, show really good feet It was so wonderful seeing that at Indiana University. So this is amazing. All these irons in the fire lead to my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about the Christine Jorgensen show or about you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so?
1: Well, for the show, they it's very simple. They just go to 59e59.org and or they can simply Google the Christine Jorgensen show. And that page with information about the cast and about the show, the availability, non-availability of tickets since we're mostly sold out, will come up for them. If they want to contact me or reach out to me, I have a website, which is just www.DonaldStevenOlson. That's Steven with a V, Olson with an O. That's the Swedish way
0: donaldstevenolson.com
1: and they can contact me via that website if they wish
0: wonderful well Donald it has been an absolute joy speaking with you again I I, I love talking with you and I absolutely loved the show I'm so honored that I got to see it so thank, thank you. you for stopping by to speak with us and thank you so much for your time today
1: You're very welcome. It's been my pleasure. And I will look forward to talking to you again about maybe another play.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I can't wait. I can't. All right. Thank you so much.
0: My guest today has been Donald Stephen Olson, the amazing playwright, who's Show, the Christine Jorgensen show is currently having its world premiere at 59E59 Theaters. The show runs now through March 3rd, and tickets and more information can be found at 59e59.org. We also have some contact information for our amazing guests, which we'll be posting on our social media post as well as on our episode description. But run, don't walk, get the last few tickets for this amazing production. You will absolutely love the show, the story, the performance, everything about it is fantastic. It's the Christine Jorgensen Show, playing now through March 3rd at 59E59 Theaters. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez, reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. Stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at StageWhisperPod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at StageWhisperPod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.